Welcome to episode 63 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up, peoples? And back with us on the couch today, Mr. Charlie Ridgely. Yo, what up? Nothing much, man. It's good to have you back, Charlie. (laughs) Because we're going to talk about uh, things I would label as very Charlie-centric today. First up, we are going to be talking about the new trailer for Bad Boys 3, a.k.a. Bad Boys for Life, but that's not all. We have also a new trailer for Black Christmas, some new movie news to share, some Marvel things to go over. Plus, we have our review of It Chapter 2, which is going to be hitting theaters as you hear this and scaring the pants off a lot of people. And we will be continuing our breakdown of the current Dawn of X storyline in X-Men comics with our review of House of X 4. So don't miss any of this because it's going down as soon as we come back for our News Flash segment. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right. So first thing up in the news this week. We uh, did last, we cleaned up last week in the last episode by talking about Terminator Dark Fate. But I think we can all agree that we got a nice splash of refreshing water on our faces in the form of the trailer for Bad Boys for Life, the long awaited sequel or threequel to the Bad Boys franchise starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. And I think this trailer came along in exactly the right time, kind of moving into fall and out of the uh, slow point of summer to kind of give us something to look forward to because it really did capture that bad boys feel. It's like we didn't miss a step, even though the sequel is coming, you know, so many years after uh, Bad Boys 2 hit theaters. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, the the chemistry's still very much alive. It looks like they've kind of hooked a good story for this. There's some good kind of throw, like 90s testosterone action uh, all throughout, and the comedy is there, and it just felt really good to be back in the world of Bad Boys. So I am psyched. Bad Boys for Life doesn't look like it's going to let me down, and I think I might even like this better than two. Oh, I do. I do enjoy two a lot. Actually, uh, I mean, I don't think it's hard to get. Be- to, I mean, two was two was fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fun. It was big and crazy, can, but yeah. But I'm not a person not who goes and like Bad Boys Two is like the worst movie. No, I oh no, it way no, it's still, over I mean, the it's, top. It's like peak it's crazy and fun. Day. So was the first one. Like yeah, yeah I think the first one was a was well, the first a one was movie. Michael Bay still working with a smaller yeah, but I mean, budget. I thought two fit in really well, and I think three. I mean, immediately from the first scene with the fire hydrant is the spot where like I knew from that point on. Oh, we're good. All right, they're they're not screwing this up. Like this is exactly what I expect. He's going to get mad about something with the car, and he's just 
kind of stylish curmudgeon. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it from the beginning to end. I thought. Yeah, that's cool. the first opening scene. Is like the big dramatic kind of Michael Bay. Open style. the door. <laughs> car, you know, luxury car pulling up, doors opening on both sides. You know, stars getting out. You know, our leading people getting out, looking all beautiful. And of course, uh, this is bad boy. So Martin bangs <laughs> the car door into a fire hydrant, which sets Will Smith's Mike Lowry off about you know, you know, Marcus kind of messing up his stuff as as was a staple of the first film. And uh, yeah, and then we're right and right from that moment, we're right back into it. And. Yeah, that's the genius of this kind of film. Um, there's been a lot of talk and buzz about certain things about it, namely like how Martin looks in the film. Uh, Will Smith kind of looks like he doesn't age. Martin looks like he does age. Uh, and I think I've been kind of defending him in this because people have been like, what the hell happened to Martin? He looked like he put on weight and stuff. And I feel like that's part of the storyline of this film is kind of the joke that Marcus is kind of moving out of this action cop phase of his life and he's just the dad and he's like settling down and probably has a dad bod by now and is like you know just doing kind of a more mundane yeah. family thing when he gets sucked into this other kind of action kind of caper with Will Smith, Mike Lowry and is going to be kind of the comedic relief I will bet dollars to donuts that we see a scene of just like a chase scene like in the first one where Will Smith's tearing down the street running after somebody and Marcus is trying to keep up but he's all like out of shape and slow and huffing and I don't understand why that's that a shock now because for anyone who watched the second one like this like that was a p huge part of the story was that he was phasing out I mean he retired so to speak yeah and yeah. and Mike had to get him back into it and he already had that thing of like defending his daughter right with the first date at the door and like he was already becoming more of a family i don't want to do this all the time i don't like gunfights also who hasn't seen martin lawrence in the last yeah, well, five years well, i mean yeah he like, looks like martin lawrence <laughs> i mean well, and he doesn't look bad he looks no, like he a looks normal like, person should no, age just, after yeah. 20 years and people forget like martin lawrence was like Teenage boy, skinny, like back in the day. Like, I mean, that was tiny Martin yeah. time. It's, it's, like, it's, right? only, that it's was... only that he's compared to Will Smith, and Will Smith's a freak of nature. And like Samuel L. Jackson, just apparently does not age at any point. Like yeah. that's, it's hard. You can't compare everyone to the standard of how Will Smith ages. Like Martin looks like a normal guy Martin's age should look. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I, like I said, I've just been, you know, kind of defending him. Yeah. And like, yeah, one dude, like, is older now, and two, I guarantee this is going to be part of the film and like the comedy. Like, and I think it would be smart to yeah. lean into that because that's yeah. always been what makes them work. You know, I, one thing I did not love about this was uh, the music choice. I totally get why they <laughs> use that track, but the remix of that track sucks. Oh. Like in this trailer, like it's spliced together. Uh, what song is the it? The edits. Uh, it's uh, is it Bad Boys? Bad Boys for Life. It's is it, but it's the Diddy yeah, like the Diddy mix, one, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I got spoiled because in two, I mean, two had a great soundtrack. I thought I loved like Shake Your Tail Feather as a as an anthem, and then you still had the Dr. Dre assisted beats kind of throughout. The I'm whole sure that movie. this will have a great soundtrack to it. I'm sure it does, but this song, this particular cut of that song, really like sucked. I was like, I loved everything about it except for the song. I, just, I don't know if, if the, you I don't know if the world's gonna rock life, with you on that. We've all been singing Bad Boys for Life ever since. Yeah, then. but this splice of it blew. Like it just didn't. It didn't. Like I loved the par parts of the song, and then it would hit this weird beat switch up, and I was like, what is this? Just noise. And stop yelling over the track, Diddy. 
<laughs> please, for the love of Lord. There's a couple times in this track where he's you hear him over, and I'm like, stop. stop. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a good fit. I don't, I don't have yeah. that. No, you know, I'm looking forward to something else. All right. Well, it sounds like we're all on board. Bad Boys for Life is going to uh, be pretty good. I like this was that this was a red band trailer too, and they didn't hold back like the Joe Pentigliano. Oh, that was great. Kind of thing. I always forget how great he is, like just cursing. and how great that role is. Yeah. And then you watch it, and it's like, oh yeah, the yeah. captain's hilarious. He's so great. Yeah, and it's just good. And I, I like this new crop uh, with Vanessa Hudgens and this the rest Ale- of the new crop. Uh, Alex Ludwig, Alexander Ludwig. Yeah, whoever they are. Um, they look good in that kind Vanessa of Vanessa Hutchins and the other people. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's all what they, I really liked. That was yeah, great. Was like, he's like, no. Ne- that was a great never. Bit. Yeah, we're never, uh, never doing that. That was very like, classic, boys, classic Will Smith. And it's also very smart with the way those characters are to bring in some younger people for them to bounce off of. I think it yeah. creates a lot of great comedic well, opportunities. I, for I those literally, two. I had the idea as soon as I saw the trailer that like they were going to go like a Deadpool 2 direction. They're going to bring in these like young, like popular known actors. They're going to go on this mission and they're just all going to die right off the bat. Oh God, I hope not. No, I don't. And just straight up Deadpool it. <laughs> I mean, I there's hints that. of that in the super trailer. Super dark, something, super funny. I think there's hints in the trailer that something, I mean, something dark happens. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a body on a sheet and people look upset. So that could be the case. Um, I would prefer it like Matt, that they're used for kind of comedic stuff. Uh, you know, Marcus trying to like be like their dad and Will Smith trying to keep up with them and Marcus kind of ragging on Will. Because like, that's the yeah. way you can show that, yes, you can't look at Will Smith and go, oh, he's older, but you can show comparisons to these younger people and he's actually, even Mike is having a hard time right. keeping up with You can show that aging a little bit. Yeah, and just things about like how they solve crimes, using yeah. tech or not Be tech great. and stuff like that. Like. Yeah, so all that stuff for tracking down something, they'd be like, I checked his Instagram and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. like Marcus, like, what? Like, you know, we're just going to go shake down some people. Like, Lots what of opportunities. Are you talking about? So, like, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't mad. Um, and that's a good thing because that was a moment that is so much different than Terminator Dark Fate trailer, <laughs> where the line with Linda Hamilton and I'll be back does this, like, hit, like, dead on arrival. Whereas, you know, this call back to bad boys, bad boys, it was really funny. So. Yeah, I mean, looks like this movie's doing everything right. And uh, this isn't Michael Bay, for anybody who's wondering. These are uh, two new, well, new to Hollywood and U.S. audiences, directors named uh, Adil E. Arby and Bilal Falah. So they'll be kind of producing. They've they've, they've directed a bunch of uh, Snowfall episodes, haven't they? Yeah, they've done things like Snowfall and, like I said, but, like, you know, how many people are kind of looking at that? So, yeah. They did two episodes of Snowfall uh, in 2017. They are doing Bad Boys for Life, and they're on board for Beverly Hills Cop 4, if that ever kind of happens. So, I mean, they've obviously done stuff that's really impressed people, and it looks, I mean, this this looks good. This looked, like, if you didn't tell me this wasn't a Michael Bay movie, I would be like, wow, this is some kind of somewhere between Michael Bay, Bad Boys 1, and Bad Boys 2, um, depending on the scene. Which is probably a a really good sweet spot to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. It's a good balance of both Mm. films. So that'll be good. Um, Yeah, we just want to put that out there in case people get confused because everybody sometimes just assumes Michael Bay is involved in something that he's had his prints over previously, but Mm -hmm. he's not involved in this one. Well, I mean, he's probably... I mean, that's what happened to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel when everyone was like, he's actually not directing. He's just on there as producer, producer, but you couldn't tell. Yeah, enough. Of, that's enough of a stain for some people, so, you know. But all right, moving right along. If you haven't seen it, Bad Boys for Life trailers on comicbook.com. Check that out. Have a good laugh. Uh, the next one is a Black Christmas trailer. 
Uh, Black Christmas. I feel like Black Christmas gets rolled out every couple years as a remake of, you know, a good horror story. But uh, we have this new one that's out. And um, it looks like it be like I put it in here because it looks like a fun spin on the Black Christmas premise. Uh, this one's more obviously kind of female empowerment centric. And I think I'm kind of ready for this one. It'd be a good one. It's coming at us soon. We just try to do regular horror updates, I guess. But uh, what are you guys thinking about Black Christmas? I mean, I I dug the trailer, which I wasn't expecting to. Yeah, I mean, it's because, totally expected. Well, I mean, it wasn't that that like oh the premise or the act. Like, I love the premise. I love the actress in it. Carrie Yules as like a weird cult leader villain is really really. Yeah, that's a it's great. a really fun idea. Yeah. I love Emojin Poots. the The problem with this was that. This movie was it was not like, a, oh, you know, this is not a release date or anything. It was fully announced as a movie that was going to go into production like two and a half to three months ago. Yeah, it this was announced. really hung up. Well, it's just, it's crazy that it moved so fast. It was announced, well, it went into production a few weeks you, later. You realize that now movie can trailer shoot in like a couple weeks, I, right? I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm not, I'm not bashing. Especially it's one like, like this, it's just set in like But sometimes house. when it's so quick like that. The turnaround—it's—it's it's like, oh man, we have this idea. We want to get Black Christmas. We want to get Black Christmas out. We want to make some money, uh, and they scramble and they make a movie, and it doesn't turn out well. And you know, I was kind of <laughs> worried about that with the time frame. But this looks like a really fleshed out, fun, yeah, you know, slasher kind of movie. I'm, I'm into it. Also, uh, for riffing on the music thing, I loved the way they did the music in this one, like mm. the. Uh, the weird tension bits of like the carols and the way to kind of—I really love that. Also. My biggest thing is maybe I saw too much. I don't go. I mean, I know that's not why horror people go to horror movies necessarily is to like, oh, for the story and the twists and whatever. But I did kind of feel like I watched the entire movie. Oh, yeah. The trailer trailer. showed way too much. I'm like, oh, he's the cult leader. Okay. (laughs) One of of the actresses actresses in the movie got on Twitter. It's like, hey, here's the trailer. It's so exciting. But just know that (laughs) there's a lot in it. So if you want to just see it fresh, don't watch the trailer. I feel, yeah, like here's the trailer. Don't watch the trailer. Yeah. Because you, I mean, this is definitely one of the trailers that tells you the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. There's three different times. I'm like, oh, that person's probably going to die. Okay. Well, there's that. But I still want to see it. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I think it looks fun and a little playful even though it has to deal with like all this death uh but uh yeah my that was my only bummer is that i kind of felt maybe if they held just a bit back i would go see in the theater right now i don't know if i'm gonna go see it at theater it might be a wait and see on home video type oh yeah i mean there's definitely that i mean that is definitely the line i'm on i i liked what i saw but i don't know if i liked it enough for theater yeah um i will say anytime carrie eels is kind of uh, cast now, you should expect something twisted ever since Saw. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what... <laughs> or actually, before that, Kiss the Girls, actually. Yep. Yeah. Oh, God, that's right. Oh, that's the greatest oh, character. Dude, oh, he's so yes. good at the end of that. God, I haven't seen it last, in so long. One of my favorite last 15 minutes of any movie ever is Kiss the Girls and Carrie Yule's performance that's good. in that. Yeah. I've got to break her down. Yeah, man. It's really creepy. So I feel uh, like we should have a whole podcast of Kofi just recreating movies. I, I, like, <laughs> I mean, it's I, that's why I like kind of like I laughed when I saw him show up as a cult leader yeah. in this one. I thought that was like, oh man, that's great casting and yeah. stuff. So that's a little thing for you horror aficionados. Black Christmas coming back. I mean, so check that out. Another trailer on comicbook.com for your viewing pleasure. Moving right along. Another person making a comeback Another is, one. I was going to say, I, I almost said it as if she's the character, uh, but she's not. Laura Croft. Alicia Vikander is just the actress that I like. But uh, no, Laura Croft is making another comeback. 
Tomb Raider is getting a sequel Yay. with Alicia Vikander. Um, I think we were all on the line about whether that was going to actually happen or not, mm-hmm. because the last Tomb Raider, uh, the Tomb Raider reboot, wasn't a bad movie at all. Uh, but it just kind of came and went, and it was like mildly successful. Yeah. But we didn't. It didn't like have that much of a buzz or anything, so we didn't really know. And it was kind of like. It's weird, eh, are they, yeah. won't they, like, will they, won't they make another one? But they are. Yay! And so we got, um, and it has a release date of uh, March 2021, and we have, uh, Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley, yeah, there you go, directly. Well, directly. Directly. <laughs> directly. Um, um, yeah, that sounds like somebody who did that. Very <laughs> I, think it, I think it ended up making, like, I think the last one I read was, like, 273 million or it's. I think it's yeah. in that. It's in that ballpark. It, was it, 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 it wasn't a it was big. Produced it was for ninety four. Only pulled yeah. in fifty eight domestically, but brought in two hundred. About two hundred seventy five. Seventy five okay. internationally. So yeah, like it. It you know it was very much on that bubble. And, and honestly, after the the reception was kind of right smack in the middle, mm-hmm. and I I thought okay, I mean as a as a fan of Dynamics Crystal Dynamics reboot, that movie was actually very faithful to that yeah. tone and that storyline even though they took some you know differences in plot and stuff yeah. like that uh so i'm now that we're getting one i'm excited mostly because i hope they take on rise because i think rise is a way more interesting story uh than the first reboot uh and, and it has a lot more to do with like her past but also like you're seeing her become the Tomb Raider version of Lara Croft, as opposed to just the survivor. Yeah, because um, that was what the first film did. Yeah, and, like the first game was all about. It was very moment to moment survival and yeah. her kind of realizing the skills. But yeah, this is the one where you don't want a superhero thing because we did that with the Angelina Jolie thing, and like, yeah, yeah, that's not what we want. But she becomes this iconic person, and yeah. the end of the first one set up a much larger mm-hmm. conflict for her to kind of unravel with the mysterious organization that kind of like screwed over her father and her like, you know, that lady who was close to her. I forget what I think it was like Emma Thompson or somebody, whoever it was yeah. like, yeah. So there's a lot to dig into. And this is like the real Tomb Raider mythos yeah. we can get in. Like Rise is so good about blending in this like kind of worldwide organization intrigue plot with just her and Jonah having like this old school adventure yeah. along the way. And yeah, that it makes me, it's one of those things like where you're really excited for a movie franchise, but you're more excited for the sequel than the first one. Cause you're yeah. like, you just got to get through this one and you can make this hoop. You get to the real stuff. And that's why it's well, it wasn't just a story. I think the first one just, I, mean, I didn't, I haven't played the reboot games, so I don't have any kind of basis there, mm-hmm. but just as someone, you know, watching a movie, um, it, it really felt like it left a lot to be desired from a director standpoint, like I don't think the script was too bad. The story worked. Mm-hmm. Alicia Vikander is really, yeah, she's great, really good in the role. All the supporting cast was great, but there were so many choices that were made by the director that just it didn't, it didn't quite hit the mark. It didn't yeah. quite take it to a place where you wanted it to go. It, it really, it was really, really lacking. Mm-hmm. And that's where this news is exciting. Is they're getting Ben Wheatley, who is a really specific, unique kind of filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I think it does put a little bit of a damper on what you're hoping for, for it to be more of a directed adaptation of Rise. No, I don't he, want it to be a direct. I okay. want it to be more he, inspired by much, the character. He's very much a person that's like, he's going to take an idea, yeah. and he's going to do it his way. 
Yeah. And sometimes that works out really well. Like I really enjoyed Free Fire with Brie Larson mm-hmm. and uh, Army Hammer. He did that movie. I didn't love High Rise, which was a movie before that. Yeah. Um, but ki- yeah, the Kill the List. writer of High Rise is right yeah. in this. So um, the Kill List is very, like very um, celebrated. That was, that was his first like real big movie. Well, and, and he's working with like half the people that he's worked yeah. with on other right. stuff. So right. that was actually very comforting coming yeah. out of this. It's not like the one lone voice yeah. of uniqueness is coming into this right. whole studio yeah, right. system. Yeah. He fits with right. this I, I mean that he just has a specific yeah. vision and a style, um, yeah. which is, that, that's what the first one lacked so much, was just yeah. any kind of like style and direction. sounds like the studio trusts his yeah. thing, yeah. because, I mean, they, yeah, they are bringing his like whole creative entourage. And let's just hope that this way. means way more of Nick Frost, because the two scenes Nick Frost was in the first movie, he was amazing, and I wanted so much more of him uh, I'm not like I mean I could take your leave. I mean I love I love Nick Frost just I think in general, yeah just so. kind of moving away from trying to make a video game movie mm-hmm. successful and just kind of embracing the kind of blockbusterness of of and kind of the adventure action and adventure mm-hmm. sections of this and nailing those down would be really good. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it should be like a more threatening Jumanji. I mean, that's what the games, especially yeah. the second and third one, yeah. do so well. So it's I'm excited for somebody to kind of take that. I don't have problems with them changing things or whatever. That's fine. That's going to come with it, and a lot of times it's for yeah. the better because it's a different yeah. medium. But I just want them, you have a foundation that's great, don't ignore it. Take the bits at work and, and run with it. Yeah. So. All right, so we'll be keeping you updated because I know we'll be talking about Tomb Raider for the next couple of years. So we'll uh, keep you updated as we have to write about that until 2021. <laughs> so moving right along, we're just going to do some quick Marvel cleanup. There are some things that are happening over on the Marvel side that we thought were interesting and we wanted to share never with uh, all of you. Uh, what's up? It never stops. No, Marvel never stops. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, Avengers Endgame is apparently still in theaters and still making money. Now, these theaters are sounding more and more like creep shows with just, like, one or two people sitting in the theater, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're still, I mean... All right. <laughs> well, I mean, just listen to the numbers. So, as Way to shame week, these people, Kofi. As of this week, <laughs> it made, okay, $2,000 at 110 locations uh, earlier this week, and over Labor Day, it made $16,000. Okay, so... $2,000 in one day and $16,000 in one day totally. tells you, in a, okay, so just 2,000 in 110 theaters tells you that's like roughly about like a $20, close to $20 ticket and like that's like one person per theater. <laughs> so like I said, I don't know what's happening in these and maybe there are bump fights going on in these wow. or, you know, romantic twists, like twists that are happening. I mean... Who wouldn't like a nice empty theater with Captain America inspiring you in the background to get romantic in? Um, I don't know, but it's still, but it's crazy. It's still out there. <laughs> Marvel is just like still, it's still floating out there. And just I mean, maybe you guys had different movie experiences <laughs> like growing no, up. I, I, mean, I mean, I worked at a theater. I'm, I'm uh, with you. Okay, so I, I you know what it. I'm talking about, baby. All I right. I get it. So uh, you're picking up what I'm putting down, but uh, yeah, it's still out there. That's crazy. So Endgame is still in theaters. I guess these people are like not Blu-ray enthusiasts or something like that. I don't know. But uh, good for Marvel. They're just really sticking to Avatar at this point, I guess. When I saw that amount, I was honestly taken aback. I was like, it made that much? Now, like I, I'm shocked. I really thought it was out of. I mean, there's still probably those Marvel diehards still trying to. For the price of two tickets, you can buy the Blu-ray. Go buy it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, go buy it. So people are still trying to do those marathon runs and guess so. Whatever else, and you know, could be my grandma who never heard of, you know, doesn't know anything about Blu-ray, but knows about her second run theater. There you go. There you go. So, so that was crazy. I mean, that blew my mind. I was like, 
looking at this article and like, what? Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. The other one was Eternal. So, uh, Rob Stark, Richard uh, Madden kind of uh, dropped the tease that even though we have this extensive cast for Marvel's Eternals, we haven't seen the full thing yet. That we're going to get more actors revealed for this movie. And I was just thinking to myself when he said that, I was like, man, some other actors really don't care about their careers, huh? They're signing on for this wow. thing. Wow. <laughs> Hot. Why is everyone right so negative about the Eternals? This movie's going to be awesome. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I, don't look at me. I didn't say why that. Because Brandon was talking about it in the office earlier. Like, this, this yeah. movie's going to be fantastic. Well, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't give it that I'm more excited pass. for this movie than any other movie in Marvel's not face. What? <laughs> Hands down. Also, the very high. Me. I apologize to people that are listening. Yeah. <laughs> On the audio version of that. Not I'm more excited me. for that than any other movie. Oh, I'm Are you saying. kidding? Are you joking? Not at all. Eternals. Yes. Eternals. Why? Why? The only one that's even close to me is Doctor Strange because the multiverse of madness is such a crazy. Okay, that that's, alone. That's, and, that's, and that's, Thor that, looks yeah, great. That's, Thor's going to be great. I already know Thor's going to be great. But the Eternals has the opportunity to do what Guardians did and truly surprise us with a, a thing we don't know. And a director who she's made one feature film and it was one of the best movies that came out last year. The writer is out of this world good. Wow. And you have a cast that includes, I mean. Oh, it's Kit a fantastic. Harrington, I can't you, hate I, on the cast. You can take Kit Harrington and, and Richard Madden. They're great. But then when you also throw in. Um, Angelina Jolie. She's Salma fine. Hayek. But Selma Hayek. Uh, uh, Camille Nanjiani. Mm -hmm. Brian Tyree Henry, who is one of the best actors working right now, period. And. Um, Damn, you are making. Lauren. Um, <laughs> Lauren or Laura. Um, the, the, the woman from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, she's. I, I, I can't remember her last name right now. And I feel bad. But she's fantastic. Uh you put all these different elements together and then you have this idea of just weird, crazy ancient space stuff like Jack Kirby style. I'm, I'm so into Man. what that presents, especially with Chloe Zhao. I thought Jim in was charge of it. For a minute. I really thought, yeah, no, I thought we were talking. Jim, Jim is the stand right of eternals. I, now I never said I hated or am not looking forward to this. I don't know anything about, I admitted this was a blind spot for me because I've never, Found a reason to care about them in the comics, so I don't, I don't have any kind of gravitational pull towards this movie. I'm not saying it will be bad at all, but Doctor Strange is easy, like I will take Doctor Strange, Black Panther two, uh, Thor. Thor's the I mean, Thor looks great, I mean, and Shang Chi's yes, going to be great. So. It's hard to find some all of those. Are I'm way more exciting than this. Like, even even Black Widow, which I wasn't Dude, super excited about at you first. You know who's I'm, also I'm like great? On. Um, Anson Mount's great. Ewan Rion's great. Uh, yeah, but you know who's not great? Ken Loon. You know where he's going. But, but, yeah, right? Ken Loon is a great actor. But you know, who's not, but you you know, know who's, who's not great? Marvel Studios is a great production company. Marvel like, Studios didn't make it. Marvel, Jeff Marvel Buck TV. and Marvel TV made that. Inhumans, yeah, man. And Over, Jeff yeah. Buck is horrible. Like, And we all know that's the end of this show. I think, I think Eternals <laughs> runs the risk of being Inhumans Part 2. Well, but Mar Marvel TV made in humans, the same studio care. that made Iron Fist season one. I don't care. I don't think you can. I <laughs> like, like that's, that's you what we're right dealing now. with. Spice coming right now. My problem is, and I've said this many times on this show, I'm going to say it again. I think that Inhumans Ooh. are just too, uh, just too kind of loose of a concept in characters to really hammer down significant meaning to hand to a bunch of actors and say, Here's who you're playing. This is why they're unique. This is why they're distinct. And sink your teeth into this. I think they're all going to be doing this, thinking it's Marvel. It's all good. They're going to start getting scripts. People are going to be like trying to figure out this thing as they go along. 
I predict this is going to be Marvel's first mess. I might end up eating crow, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the real surprise is going to be how Marvel throws a superhero boost to kind of martial arts action and delivers on Shang-Chi. I think I'm excited about Shang-Chi too. I love, I I don't even know what to get excited about. Like I, I, I'm a visual kind of concept person. All I needed to do is be able to picture like one potent, like not even something the filmmakers have done, just something in my head conceptually that I could say, this would be a really cool scene. Yeah, like this all of Jack awesome. Kirby's original Eternals, Eternals books are on Marvel Unlimited. Like, Go look like at the weird, Eternals book. Watch like a, a weird soap opera with like bad costuming. Like is what I feel like I'm gonna oh, see no. right now. There is so like, much. Like even that, a bunch of Eternals so fighting doesn't make me excited because I don't imagine that Kamal Ninjani or Kamal Nanjiani, whatever, like Kamal Nanjiani, whatever. Same thing. Kumail. I know. Okay, Nanjiani. Nanjiani. Okay. There you go. He's Kumail great, Nanjiani. by the way. I love him. <laughs> I've never. I mean, he I've read his name a thousand too. times. I don't have to actually say it. Yeah, that's good. Good for him. Great, great, great. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to see in a movie <laughs> so a jacked version of that guy. So I don't think that him, Brian Tyree Henry, or anybody else, once they're on a green screen in a sound stage in these ridiculous outfits, and they're like, "But you're like gods, fight!" Like you know, I don't think that's going to be exciting. I don't think it's going to be them, them, like necessarily us. fighting each other. It's it's going to be the whole the creation of of the world as we know it and the the politics and the, like the crazy stuff that happened to bring that to life. It's going to be very like I look at how Game of Thrones season one worked and different characters that did the, the power struggle. The I think that Chloe Zhao is really really talented at getting the most out of a conversation between two people and taking that and making it really compelling and interesting and filming it in such a way that like you really feel like you're there and you're really drawn into what they're they're dealing with and i think that that kind of human connection that she's going to bring to these eternal characters is something that's really really going to work and i think that by the time it's said and done, I think the reason a lot of these A-list actors sign on to this movie is because it's only going to be a one-time thing. I think some of them are going to continue on to other Marvel movies after this, but I think for the most part, this cast is going to be one and done, and it's going to allow them to really go all out, and that's, you know, to give yeah, it their all. Yeah, but you still haven't described anything that, like, makes me excited for a Marvel blockbuster. If this was a Disney Plus series, I'd be like, man, Marvel's adding a Game of Thrones. That's awesome. I mean, because last time I felt this way about a Marvel blockbuster, it's like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be, about whatever, like, it's space stuff, it might be really cool. It was Guardians of the Galaxy, and that turned out to be one of my favorite movies of all yeah, time. Yeah, I don't think you conflate the two, just because... I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you conflate the two, I'm, I'm simply saying, like, I think that there is so much potential that we're not realizing that I look at differently because of Guardians yeah, of the I mean, Galaxy. I to be honest, I always realized Guardians' potential. Like, Guardians yeah. from, like, Guardians immediately, I've been reading comics a while, right? Mm. And Eternals never, to Kofi's point, for me, never had that hook or that memorable story. Well, or that me- Jack think- Kirby isn't just a throw card that, like, oh, it's Jack no, Kirby, it's great. It's not necessarily I, 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 that. I agree with what you're saying, but I but think... But Guardians did. Guardians I think, I always think, had Guardians that. had so many iterations of great stuff. No, like, the, like, the Abnet landing Abnet run. was so good, and it was yes. recent. Kirby's Semi-recent, stuff, not comparatively. I mean, I mean, it was 2008. Yeah, so when did Guardians Eternals doesn't have any source material story. When does Eternals... Eternals has been around longer, and what does it right. have? Th- that's what I'm saying. Nothing. Is, is no one has gone and touched the property again other than Gaiman, and it wasn't very good. So what are you excited about? Because I think about? you have this, this original story <laughs> that is so great like on its own. No. They haven't gone back yes, and dealt thank with you. it. Yeah. It was so great Guardians on its own. Guardians had a, rel- like a recent... 
and very interesting run with a lot of different characters that had a lot of memorable plot points and stories. Eternals doesn't have that. Look, here's over the problem. Its entire here's history. my bottom line problem, and we got to move on. Like, not done well enough. Eternals is in humans. Okay, I'm not going that far. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's just what it is. It's going to be this weird race of people, and even done well enough, it's still going to make people say. That was okay. I'd rather have it. So why are you excited for New Gods and not this, when it's the same thing? Oh, no. New Gods is a much different beast. The mythos is much different, much more exciting. (laughs) The whole story of, like, Darkseid and and, uh, Highfather and their war and settling it by trading sons and what happens to the two sons and their pathway to becoming Orion and Mr. Miracle and how Mr. Miracle So family drama is your answer. Like, Granny Goodnesses and the the Furies and all that and, and kind of breaks Big Barda out of that and they become kind of renegades. Like, all of that is much more exciting than this. So There's a million New God stories I could go back and pick and just be like, all of these would be awesome. I think that's the difference. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong as far as are they similar, like, kind of out there concepts about powerful beings and all this stuff. Yes, there are a lot of similarities. But I think I'm not even that excited for New Gods. But I can still think up three stories off the top of my head as far as New Gods go that are way more memorable. I know those characters, what they're about, way more than I feel a lot of people know Eternals. And I feel that's yeah, the people difference. People don't know it because they, they didn't ever want to go back and touch it because they weren't, I don't know if it's they, they didn't trust the material, they were scared to. But New Gods has ever been a big seller. Like, they, they just... But, 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 but Darkseid has. Involved they, at least, they at least yeah. kept going yes. with one character. If you say, I'm going to make a movie with Darkseid, Granny Goodness, yeah. Orion, and Mr. Miracle, and Big Barda... You already have captured the attention of because you know who those wide people are. swath of fans. But yeah. that that doesn't mean that it's not going to be good because you don't know who they are. I'm not saying it won't be good. I'm just saying I don't have this reason to look yeah, at there's it. There's no because I also I don't believe in it. So much freedom what we're to go. It's just that you're believing in potential that like we're wondering where you're where you're seeing this potential. Like we because just, I, I've watched. Chloe Zhao direct, and I've watched, I've read the Jack Kirby Eternals comics, and I've seen all those actors perform. And I think when you put all that together in Marvel Studios, that has not yet, that is yet to fail. That is true. I, I, I can't, I can't see where it, they're going to go wrong with this. I don't see an issue. Like, like where is it going to not be interesting? What piece of this is is lacking? Every single component to making a great film is there. So. Flash forward to when we're trying to determine if this <laughs> or the dark world now sits on the bottom. All right. Now, I don't we'll think see. Charlie's wrong. I think everybody's going to have an opinion. Let us know what you guys think, because obviously we're stuck here. So hit us up at hashtag <laughs> comic book nation and let us know, like, what the hell you guys think. Well, I had some other Marvel stuff to talk about, but, uh, you know, we've just kind of blown through that time. What just happened was the most anyone's talked about Eternal. Yeah, way exactly. forever. <laughs> oh, so the last thing we just wanted to say is R.I.P. Renner app. <laughs> Jeremy Renner's app went down in flames. People started trolling poor Jeremy Renner when he tried to launch an app with his face on every message. And uh, did yeah. you know it's been around for years? Yeah, I, I did. did. I missed that boat completely. I think he tried like a relaunch or something. But R.I.P. Jeremy Renner tried to Justin app. Timberlake MySpace's own app. Yeah, I guess, but it didn't work. So, but we've been having fun just saying R.I.P. Jeremy Renner dot 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 app because people have been freaking out. All right, so. Okay, wait, real quick. Can I just say my favorite reaction to that, though, is the person who tried to do, like, a funny burn on Twitter and post, like, a screenshot of them purchasing 99 stars in the app and then accidentally hit the button. (laughs) So then has an entire Twitter feed of, like, oh, my God, I'm trying to get a refund from this place. It was hilarious. Don't, Don't troll unless you're prepared to pay $99. 
for stars. Oh man, this is what I hope that it was funny was though. Worth it. it was funny. I hope though. that trolling was worth it. Stay refund. tuned because when we get back, <laughs> we're gonna go through our review of It Chapter Two as well as House of X Four, and you don't want to miss those. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so we're back. So we're going to go through this uh, IP. It Chapter 2 review. Um, we're limited on time because we just nearly broke down <laughs> talking be about Eternals. Pale in comparison to the Eternals. I know. Discussion. Eternals conversation. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I mean, I feel like hey, this is my it's fault. Not, it's I'm not, apologizing it's not. to everyone for the loss guest of time. For, I select a guest for every episode. It's, it's not your fault. <laughs> um, so, It Chapter 2. Um, it Chapter 2 is here. Uh, obviously, this is the second volume of Stephen King's original It novel. They split it into two movies. So this is the one that takes place uh, 37 years, I believe, or something like that. 27? 27, 27, 27, yeah. 27 years after the original It. Uh, Pennywise returns to Derry, starts terrorizing. The losers are now adults. They are called back in to kind of uh, honor their promise that they made at the end of the first film. But lo and behold, you know, whether it's... The effect of dairy or whatever it is, their memories of this in this monster have faded, except for uh, Mike, who has stayed in the town. And so now they kind of got to recapture their memories and form this bond that they had so they can, you know, push back Pennywise again and defeat him for good. All right. If you've ever seen the miniseries of it, you know that the second half when they're adults is the chapter where things get darker um, and crazier in a Stephen King kind of way. Uh, there's a lot to do in in the second half of this book about how these, I mean, the mysticism behind how they form this bond, um, what Pennywise is, how they defeat him, and all they reclaim these memories in this whole process is pretty, I mean, it borders on sci-fi at times with like how trippy it is. Um, and I say, It Chapter Two, I would say overall, is a very solid blockbuster horror sequel and, and in concluding chapter of this. Um, for me personally, and I know this will be the split down, you know, all these conversations about it. It Chapter One is the better one, uh, simply because it's tighter and it's more succinct, and it's a very kind of much much clearer story about kind of childhood and trauma, and you know, Pennywise as a metaphor for growing past your fears and all this stuff, and it has a very clear path of development for all the characters. Um, and, and it uses its time and distills King's novel very smartly. It was one of the best Stephen King adaptations I've seen. Um, it Chapter 2, I don't think, does anything particularly wrong. I just think it's a victim of, like so many films, it's a victim of its own success. Yeah. Um, because It Chapter 1 was such a hit, director Andy Muschietti, uh, I think, and 
Warner Brothers felt like, oh, we can kind of not rest on our laurels, but like we're confident that we're, you know, what we're doing and we can lean a little bit more into the Stephen Kinginess of all this. And so I think that's where you end up with, which is a movie that's not as tight. And I, that when I'm not using that in like the pitch meeting sense, but like tight as in well put together and smooth. Evil clowns um, are tight. Yeah, <laughs> evil clowns are tight. <laughs> uh, there are some great set pieces, some great concepts in the film, mm-hmm. but like in the middle where they're doing this whole thing about trying to reclaim their bond and recover their memories and do all that search and that thing, it gets a little bit more clunky and they lean again into the weirdness of Stephen King a little bit more, um, which was something that kind of troubled me about a movie like Pet Cemetery, which we reviewed earlier this year. Um, so I would give it a solid, uh, we're not allowed to do this around here, but I would give it a solid 3.5 out that's, of five. That's exactly. That's yeah. Exactly what um, and I think if you're looking for the whole story altogether, it's a very good adaptation mm-hmm. of, of it altogether as yeah. one big story. Um, but I would definitely kind of put this in the category of being something that's good, but uh, going to be hard for me to watch multiple times, which I don't want to scare anybody, but I'm also kind of coming around to that on Avengers Endgame in a way. Um, and both are nearly three hours long. So yeah. uh, I thought, you know, I've never been one of those people who said like a movie has to be short to be good, but uh, I'm kind of coming around to that. So. I understand. Yeah, I, I think the, the term I've been using for it, Chapter 2, is faithful to a fault. Like it is so incredible. Oh, trying to get one of those, trying to get like a little tagline up somewhere. No, no, they won't. No, I mean, I'm. I'm, just, I'm using it as a bad thing. They won't ever. Pull, I don't want them to. I'm just saying, like that's that's the best way for me to describe it. Is like it's yeah. so faithful to Stephen King's book, and it it embraces all of the weird, wacky things about Stephen King and his endings, which they make fun of his bad endings in the movie, and he is in the movie making fun of his own bad endings. Um, and then this movie, I feel like is that where it's just kind of like, it ends really strangely and weirdly. And, um, if you love Stephen King's books, you, I think you'll have a lot to really love about this movie because it's, it's so accurate to the book. It just, there are things to me that I don't think that work really well in a book when you're imagining them and they don't work super well on a screen and, and they, they did it word for word almost. And, um, so they succeeded in that regard, but I think there could have been, they could have done a little more with it to to make it more accessible as a movie. Matt, uh, you're always interesting because of your place. <laughs> because of, because of like, you, you're like a loose horror fan, but you're not like hardcore. Yeah. Um, and your sensibilities outside of horror are very much fluffier. They're know, like, yeah. yeah. So I'm always interested to what your perspective on I, this is. I liked this as much as I liked the first one. Um, I wouldn't, I would probably put the first one a little bit higher above it if I had to really like eke out which one's better, but I didn't have this giant gap between both movies. I thought the second, I thought they're different in their sensibilities. I thought the first one, uh, one of the biggest things I did was like before, uh, there was a screening, right? And before that screening, I was like, you need to go see this to people, even if they weren't horror fans, because the first one is just a good movie. It's not, a good horror movie. It's just a good movie. And so regardless of if you're, you know, it has some scares, but honestly, the first one didn't scare me at all. So going into this, I kind of expected more of the same. And this one to me is way scarier. And like my wife ended up like (laughs) putting hands over her eyes a couple times, like for her. And she didn't do that at all through the first one. There's to me, there are more impactful scares in this one, but as a coming of age story like some of that is missing from the first i thought the adult cast was great so i mean i like them about here i i don't have a problem with the leaning into the stephen king things i think what they did here was just about perfect as far as if you think too hard on it you the house of cards will fall 
Like if you think about all the how everything relates to everything else and go, well, where did Pennywise really come from? What, is the, what does it have to do with it? If you think about it too hard, it'll all fall. But if you don't, just on the surface, and that's what it presents, I think it all works. And it, you leave and you're, you're kind of satisfied. So as <coughs> a so real quick wrap up, who, let's see if we have consensus. Who was your favorite adult cast member in this? Mine, without a doubt, Bill Hader. Yeah. Yeah, Hader, 1,000. <laughs> oh, kind of walks off. They, I, movie, they were right? all really good. I think they, yes. they were all really yeah. good. McAvoy is But McAvoy's like a straight man who's very reliable. He's still good. Yeah, um, he, I, he I don't know the actor's the name. And stuff like that. But, I uh, thought Chastain yeah. was underused. Yeah, but um, she was good when she was there. The guy who played yeah, Ben, the older Ben, much. Yeah, he was, was good. And he looked just like the, the kid. Um, uh, Mustafa, who plays... Uh, Mike. Mike, mm-hmm. um, he the Old Spice guy. He's a phenomenal actor, apparently. Uh, he was really good in this. I, I think they all did a great job. But, but Hater. Yeah, Hater but Hater walks off. I mean, yeah, he's just killing it, was, it right now. Yeah. Between this and Barry, like Barry, Bill Hader. Oh, Barry. Like, great. Yeah. Who knew? Barry. Saturday Night Live, the Bill Hader would step out and be you know, great. so great. So, yeah, um, I don't think any of us are like, I don't. I think It Chapter 2 will be missing a lot of the novelty of the mainstream kind of fascination that the first one had. Um, it was such a breakout hit. I think this one will just be kind of like, yeah, that was a conclusion. Like, we got it, and it was cool. It's going to make a lot of it, money. It's, definitely not, it's, it's not going to disappoint you if you like the first one. It's going to be satisfying as a conclusion. It might just not, it might just not be as good of a conclusion as... Yeah, as and it won't be as buzzed about, probably. Um, yeah. Some key scenes, you know, there's some iconic scenes. I'll just say spiders and things like that, like from the yeah. miniseries in the book. But uh, I think that'll be about it. And people just tracking the changes and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, I don't think it'll go down as like a milestone horror film. All right. Moving right along because we got to wrap it up. But before we do, we got to talk a little bit about House of X4, which this one isn't so much a discussion of mystery because there is. I mean, this is the most linear chapter of Dawn of X we've gotten so far. Um, It literally just picks up from the end of House of X3 and it's a straightforward story. Uh, it's rare that we've gotten a story that has either no major jumps to like mm-hmm. other time periods or things, or weird aside scenes like, like major plot and, twist reveals or yeah, anything like yeah. that. Yeah, like saber tooth courtroom scenes or anything. No, this one is a straight up thriller that shows the X Men strike force on a mission into space against Orcus, the human organization made from like AIM, Shield, and all these other people who are basically they're trying to stop the activation of a new villain named Mother Mold which is an AI that builds master molds, which then builds sentinels that will eventually rise up into a machine supremacy and kill all mutant kind in this future Moira lived through in her ninth life. Got all that? Got all that, yeah. <laughs> so this issue is just straight up the X-Men on a strike mission against Orcus on this station to, and I love Hickman because he can be so complex but so simple at the same time. It's a simple thing, release four levers, send Matt to that anchor mother mold and let that thing go floating into the sun to, to destroy it. And they got to get all four levers. And of course, this is a thriller story in which, you know, it seems, and it's a great thriller story mm-hmm. in the sense that at first you're rooting for the heroes. It seems like it's all going well. Um, Wolverine murders his way to a lever. Nightcrawler <laughs> teleports and beats some guys up and gets his lever off. But as soon as they get those two levers off, uh, Orcus and Dr. Gregor, and I've been going back reading House of X1, and it is amazing amazing how much of this is just seated yeah, right from right. the first issue and, and all of this. I mean, from Dr. Gregor to like all in her theories about mutants and all mm-hmm. this stuff and explaining how, why she is the way she is. But uh, Dr. Gregor kind of um, and Omega Sentinel mount a counterattack uh, and it starts to go badly for the X-Men very quickly. Yeah. Um, it starts with uh, M. I mean, Archangel, we left him in a being blown up in a ship. 
uh, out of one of the Orcus agents did as a sacrifice play. Archangel's dead. Husk is dead. They didn't yeah. even need to come along. No. They just got killed. Um, M gets shot down defending Jean Grey in the shuttle from an Orcus attack. And then it really kicks into high gear uh, as we get some of the, probably the most tragic and brutal X-Men story we've probably <laughs> read in 10 years. Because this entire team of X-Men, this is like some Rogue One type stuff, like just get completely killed. Uh, we're talking major characters. We're talking Cyclops, Jean Grey, Mystique, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler Ugh. all get killed trying to complete this mission, um, usually in sacrificial ways. Uh, the most heartbreaking be the one you wrote up, Matt, which is one of the most, probably the most heartbreaking X-Men scene we've had in years is they get down to the last anchor. Cyclops gets his off, but the humans stop them from getting the last one off. And the only way they can do this is for Nightcrawler to teleport, teleport Wolverine out onto Ma Mother Mold's last anchor, the arm. Well, this thing is powered by the sun and kind of hangs over the sun. So you're talking about teleporting into solar radiation. And they have this completely awesome yes. Nightcrawler-Wolverine conversation because their whole relationship is based on Kurt's intense faith and Logan's lack thereof. And Kurt always trying to inspire Logan in faith and Logan always questioning Kurt's faith and being like, how can you still believe all this crap? Yeah. Like, you know, given what we've seen. Um, and they just have this awesome moment between one the page. Two of them. That's one all page. It, yeah. it was we're, one of the best. Yeah, pages. we all yeah, were like tearing up, like where Logan asked her if because they're going to teleport and they know they're going to die. And Logan yeah, as, just as asked soon as the them, teleport like, finishes, they're, they're done. Yeah. yeah, and Logan basically asked him, "Do you think like there is going to be like a basically a heaven for a guy like yeah. me?" And Kurt gives him this like almost like a pastor Man. like answer about like when we die like look for me and I'll wake up and I'll be like your buddy in the oh, afterlife makes and I'll sense. be right there. thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like teleport out and it's horrific because oh. the art shows you uh Pepe Larraz I think yeah. it's like Kurt's like little weird Ribs skeleton and, oh. yeah. dies like burning. I mean he instantly burns as yeah. soon as he teleports he just is incinerated and Logan, you know, in true Logan fashion it keeps regenerating and incinerating and then regenerating um and hacks away in this mother mold uh, last anchor and sends it into the sun along with and him. Mother Mold's like talking trash yeah, to and that's him what I was while this say, is happening. And, and my favorite thing is for the first time because Mother Mold's been part of this story from mm -hmm. the beginning, but we finally get to meet Mother Mold and it is terrifying. Yeah, it is like a more psychotic version of that AI from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, and Mother Mold comes online as the humans turn it on to try to stop the X Men. Uh, from completing their goal, but you know, as Wolverine's hacking away at this and starts going on this whole metaphoric rant about how almost like Ultron in the beginning of Age of Ultron, mm -hmm. it quickly, because it's an AI, begins to absorb information and it's just like, oh, I've looked at, you know, mutants and humanity and you're all crazy. Yeah. And we've stolen this fire and we're gonna from Olympus and we're gonna burn you all down. Um and so it seemingly dies. But that's where it leaves us. And of course, it is a very heartbreaking thing. Oh, Scott and Gene get murdered horribly horribly. Gene's yeah. hurt like when when Gene and Scott, when Scott says yes. goodbye and he's Aww. like, I'm not going to make it back. Like, yeah, because like after symbol, Wolverine like, dies, they're trying it. to get off the station. They're the last two. But uh, Scott gets taken out by Omega Sentinel and Dr. Gregor for, you know, who blasts his face off for yeah. killing her husband. Which was a great scene, yeah. by the way, because, yes, I know, like, that hurt me. Like, Cyclops dies. Yeah. But I love that, like, she reacts like a human character would. I'd be like, no, I'm not taking you, Kev. You've killed my husband. Like, yeah, I'm killing I'm you. Laughing, like, <laughs> I'm going to kill like, you. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Um, but then when Xavier's narration starts and Jean is, like, in the Skate pod, pod and, yeah. like, the, the, the Sentinels. The drones just surround her. It's like, just yeah. that last three pages is just so well done. And then it gets to the very end and you hit that Xavier when he, like, slams 
the table and he's talking. He's like, no more. And you see that like just repeated and like all these newspaper clippings start yeah. popping up. And it's so just that's the theme of the issue. So the much. Charts are about how much, how many times mutants have been, you know, yeah. decimated. Yeah. By not just humans, but like tears running yeah, his face. Yeah. So good. Ugh. Yeah, and we don't know. And this is the thing we wanted to end on is um, with this, because I criticized Jonathan Hickman saying he was kind of weaving a great story, but like was avoiding actual kicking the ball down the like, well, not not that, not yet, but uh actual X-Men dynamics between the team, mm -hmm. and we hadn't seen all that. And this was a very intimate, spot-on yeah. hit of that invoked so much history. Um in these interactions for this harrowing kind of final mission. But he has kicked the can down the road about as far as we can kick it. We're about halfway through this, and, like, yeah, the can has been kicked. So the question going into next week in Powers of X is, are these X-Men really dead? Because we read back at House of X-1, and it seems like these pod people mm -hmm. are, could be clones of the X-Men, and so maybe this squad isn't, you know, the sacrifice wasn't as bad as we thought. Yeah. Um, they could come back. And is Mother Mold really dead? Because, I mean, that was some big trash talk from a head floating into the sun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an AI. So, you know, there's theories that, yeah, an AI, if given even a split second of time, can figure out a way to transmit itself, preserve yeah. itself, do whatever it needs to do. Um, yeah. And, I mean, so much of it's going to change this week, too. And one, there's, and, only, whoa, there's only five. And finally, is what is Xavier's No More all about and what is he about to do? Because it seems pretty drastic. Yeah. yeah. Like, because that, that leads into the theory of are they the pod people? Or you know, do they, is there the eleventh timeline? Mm -hmm. All this stuff, but um, you know, there's only five issues left, which is crazy. It feels like we just started the House of X, you know, Powers of X stuff. Um, but the thing to remember is next week, Powers of X number four. If you've been following along, the uh, the there's the co or the um, the alphabet, the Krakoan alphabet yeah. in the back, and you can look at uh, it, it gives you the code for what the next two issues are going to be titled. Every issue has a title like mm -hmm. written in Krakoan, and at the end of every issue, there's the next two issues coming, and you can decipher what those titles are. And so next week's issue is called Something Sinister. So the whole <laughs> Mr. Sinister creating mutants yeah. and all this stuff is finally going to come into play next Wednesday, which says something you know, I know Jim's been talking about since the first issue, and yeah. it's something we've all been yeah. waiting to see how it ties into it. Mr. Sinister and that whole creation of mutants after Charles lost all of his X-Men is finally going to come into play. So I think everything's going to really turn on its head again yeah. once we get to next week. Can't wait for it. All right, that'll do it. That's all the time we have today for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you want to subscribe to the show, we launch new episodes every Wednesday and Friday with our RSS feed that you can subscribe to, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or tell your Amazon Alexa device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll start playing for you. You can just join the discussion with us at the hashtag Comic Book Nation or reach me at Kofi Outlaw. You can reach me at Matt Aguilar CB. And I'm at, at Charlie Ridgely. And if you love the show, be sure to go on iTunes and give us a five-star review because we are almost done with our T-shirt yeah. shipping. So that means another batch of review readings are coming. And if we read yours on the air, you will get a free Comic Book Nation T-shirt. So be sure to get those reviews in. All right, that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank uh, everybody for coming out today and talking with us. We got to get out of here now because they got another person to fill this studio right after us. So <laughs> yep. we got to bounce. This is Comic Book Nation. We're out. Deuces. <laughs>